0: message inspires you to love strong, shine bright, and live free. In Luke 24 verse 1, on the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the woman took the spices that they had prepared and went to the tomb, the tomb of Jesus. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. They were angels. Verse 5 says, in their fright, the woman bowed down with their faces to the ground, but the angelic men said to them, why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. He's risen. Welcome to Resurrection Sunday, everybody. This is good news. Come on, thanks, Jimmy. And Munmead, and Lorraine, you guys can take your seats. We are on Friday night, some of us watched here the Passion of the Christ, the Mel Gibson sort of dramatic movie around the last twelve hours of Jesus's life. And man, that was a really harrowing film, a very haunting film. Some of us didn't quite make it all the way through; we had to leave because it was just too too much. But um, it just really gave you a glimpse into the, the suffering of of Christ. But you know, I was thinking about movies and uh, and films. How many love watching movies? Jimmy Washer, I know you do. Uh, I like I like watching I like watching movies. Uh, there's been some great films produced over the years. I I particularly like trilogies. Anyone like trilogies? Right, not just one film, but 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 three where the storyline is sort of spread over more. More than uh, just one. Uh, movies like, uh, let me just got a few little uh, examples here. The Godfather, right? That's all I remember him saying. Uh, there was, uh, <laughs> someday, and that day may not ever come, I'm going to ask a favor of you. <laughs> anyway, um, what about Star Wars? I know there was like 10 of them, but before they made all the other ones, those first three were Fantastic. Uh, oh, Indiana Jones. How many, how many have seen some of these movies? These are classics. Indiana Jones. Uh, what else have we got here? Back to the Future. My most favorite movie of all time. Uh, behind The Passion of the Christ, of course. But um, that was particularly good. What else have we got here? The Lord of the Rings. What a great trilogy that was. I'm sure you've got your own list. You may want to heckle me or call them out right now. But if I've missed anything off. Oh, Toy Story. Uh, yeah. All right but um, the thing about a really good trilogy, a series of movies is that well while, while each individual movie kind of stands on its own it's okay by itself, it actually tells more than just the story in itself on its own it's actually incomplete right like there is a sequel and then, and then another one for for example in in, uh, in the Lord of the Rings Peter jackson's first installment, what a great movie like it won I think three or four Academy Awards. How many have seen that? It's a while back now. And, and uh, it's a great story, but it, on its own, it doesn't tell the, the, the full story because we never find out whether Frodo got to Mordor, right? We don't know until we've watched, watched the other ones. If you've, if you've only ever watched Star Wars, you don't know who Darth Vader really is, right? Until you've watched the other ones. Okay, if you've only ever seen the first Back to the Future film, then how would you ever know that the flux capacitor could run on more than just 1.21 gigawatts of plutonium power, right? Like, you wouldn't know that until you've seen the other ones. So it's so important that these things all come together, right? And not just one, not just two, but all, all three of those. And so the purpose of a trilogy is to connect all three works of art together. They're independent on, on, of each other. They kind of stand alone, but yet they're also incomplete without the other sequels that follow it. Hold that thought. This is going to make some sense in just a moment. The Bible is a historical document that contains a number of significant events which which really act as a framework for our faith, right? There's a a lot of accounts and stories and and scenes in there that help us develop our worldview, help us to to, to give us an understanding of who God is and what our part is in society. But if we were to whittle down all of the significant events that the Bible records, if we were to kind of uh, whittle them down to just the few, the, the, the few significant ones, I wonder what those events would be. If you can kind of think about that for just a moment. If you were to take all of the great stories all of the great accounts and just whittle it down to just a few critical events that kind of like our faith really stands on. If we were to say, if it wasn't for these things happening, my, my faith would be would be completely in vain. I reckon if we had to do that, if we were to um, give that a go, if we just had to identify the critical historical events that frame Christianity, it might look something like this. Jesus came, Jesus died, and Jesus rose, the birth of Christ, the death of Christ, and his resurrection, right? he may, may have some other ones on there, a few more to add to the list. I mean, there are a whole bunch of significant events that frame our faith, you know, things that we might say are essential, like the day of Pentecost, praise God, right? There are other things that happened there, but, but, there are, but uh, if it wasn't for his birth, if it wasn't for his death, and if it wasn't for his resurrection we probably wouldn't be here today okay we wouldn't be probably gathering we wouldn't be enjoying easter we wouldn't have the weekend off if it wasn't for these three events and you could say in some ways that his 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 coming his dying and his rising are like a trilogy They are like a trilogy of events, and we can break down each installment, and we can consider their significance uh, on their own merits. Like, if we were just to take part one, the the first, the first episode, if you like, we have His coming, Jesus coming to the earth, Jesus' birth, His ministry. What an epic saga that was, right? How many have seen the movie? You've read the book? Are you okay this morning? All right, good. It was an event so significant. I'm just going to preach myself happy. It was so significant that it was prophesied. Do you know the first installment was prophesied like hundreds of years before it took place? These ancient writings of Isaiah, easy to find because it's the thickest book in the Bible, but it says this hundreds of years before Jesus even came to the earth that God would bring a sign to the world. A virgin would conceive and give birth to a son and his name would be Emmanuel. Which means God amongst us or God with us. And so the birth of Christ, I know it's Easter, just follow me. The birth of Christ, just that alone is probably the most celebrated event in Christendom, right? Christmas, right? And, And Isaiah would go on to say, For unto us a child is born, to us, the son is given and the government will be on his shoulders and he will be called wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. And you know the story. Jesus wasn't just an ordinary baby. This was a divine visitation of God on the earth. Jesus came. He came and he modeled a whole new way of living for us. He was our example. He, he, he astounded the Jewish community with his teachings and his miracles. His, his teachings were revolutionary. His miracles were out of this world. He brought hope to those who he ministered to. He riled up the religious community. But the life of Jesus coming to the earth had such an impact on us, on our world, that the timeline centers around part one, his coming, right? And so very few people today, regardless even of your beliefs or whether you have faith, would probably not argue against the fact that Jesus was at the very least a significant historical figure. Okay, so Charles Spurgeon, he's one of the great preachers way back, he says this, Christ is the central fact of the world's history to him everything looks forward or backward all the lines of history converge upon him all the great purposes of god culminate in him the greatest and the most momentous fact which of the, sorry which the history of the world records is the fact of his birth part 1 in this trilogy series and so even on its own, as an isolated event, the coming of Christ was nothing short of miraculous and you know, profound, but you know what? On its own, if it was just that alone, Jesus could simply just be reduced to being a, a miracle baby, right? Or, or, or just a great wise man when he grew, a prophet, a revolutionary, a, a radical, a man greatly used by, by God, just based on his coming. We cannot come to the conclusion that He was the Savior of the world if we just watched this one event. And it was, in fact, the opinion of the religious leaders of the day that that was the case. He was no one special. He wasn't the Messiah. So, you know the story. They nailed Him to a cross. But if part one was where it ended, if that was all we'd get, I'm not sure any of us would actually be here today celebrating Easter if it was just because of the birth of Christ. And then there was there was part two, because God, who was like the executive director, he was the screenwriter of this whole, whole series, he commissioned a sequel called The Death of Jesus Christ. And Isaiah would continue to write of this event again, hundreds of years before it took place. It says in Isaiah 53 verse four, have I gone forward or back? It's gone, it's not working. It says this, surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering. Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he, Jesus, was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him and by his wounds we... Are healed. That was written 600 years before Jesus actually came and died upon a cross. And so, if the birth of Christ was one of the most celebrated events in Christendom, then his death is surely the most reflected upon, right? Like we, we, we celebrate. That we remembered that on Friday, if there was one, uh, if there was one image that symbolizes the Christian faith far better than any other, it's the symbol of the cross. Some of you have got this hanging on your on on your neck. It's the the cross is so central to our faith that that Jesus would not only come and live the kind of life that he did, but he would come and and die for us and take on the the sins of the world. He would come to offer up his life. He would come and become the perfect sacrifice for us. He would become our atonement. He would become the payment for our shortfall. He was the lamb that was slain, right? He, that, he, he became the great exchange for us where, where He took on our sinfulness and we take on, if we appropriate the work of the cross, His righteousness, His perfect record, His unblemished life is ours. Uh, Isaac Watts wrote this famous hymn. Uh, he says this, When I survey the wondrous cross on which the Prince of Glory died... My richest gain I count but loss and pour contempt on all my pride. See from his head, his hands and feet, sorrow and love flow mingled down. Did ever such love and sorrow meet or thorns compose such a rich crown? Oh, the wonderful cross! Oh, the wonderful cross! You see, the calming of Jesus and, and the death of Jesus were two powerful. Events they're they're almost summarized in Philippians chapter two. It says, it says this. Paul the apostle he, he writes that it was Christ Jesus who, being in the very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Verse seven says, but rather he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man. Part one, he humbled himself. By becoming obedient to death, part two, even death on a cross. And so even as an isolated historical event, the death of Christ was nothing short of being incredibly powerful and profound. Right? But on that one event alone, just the, the death, one, that part two, just in isolation, you know what? Jesus could still be reduced to simply just being a martyr a sufferer for a a great cause, a a sacrificial victim of a short-lived revolution. If we were just to take that in isolation, based just on his death, we cannot come to the conclusion that he became the savior of the world. And certainly as his disciples watched all of the events going on, and if you remember the passion, you remember those moments, as they even as they buried him, they were coming to the same conclusion as well. Well, that that was kind of short-lived. And so if part two was where it kind of ended and if that was it, I don't think any of us would be gathering here today, this morning, right? If it was just part one and part two. I don't know if we'd be here. We might be doing something else. But before part two was put out on DVD, heaven released this climatic conclusion to this epic trilogy and that was called part three, The Resurrection of Jesus Christ. Because without that, without the resurrection, this really is an unfinished story. It's incomplete. It's not enough. It just doesn't quite go the full, the full distance. And I just want to remind you that the trilogy is not complete until that last episode, right? Where everything kind of turns out great. Where the, kind of, the cliffhanger kind of happens. And, and I want to propose to you that for Christianity, the resurrection is that scene. It's the pinnacle, it's the game changer where you go, whoa, I didn't see that coming. He lives, right? And again, hidden in this ancient text in Isaiah, written hundreds and hundreds of years before we read in Isaiah 53, it says, after he has suffered, speaking about the Messiah that would come, after he has suffered, he will see the light of life and be satisfied, By his knowledge, my righteous servant will justify many and he will bear their iniquities. See, God never intended Jesus just to come, just to die on a cross. His his death wasn't the finale. Thank God for his death. But it was the fact that after he suffered, he saw the light of life when he rose. And the resurrection changed everything. It changed, every, it changed his birth, it changed part one from just uh, you know just a, a, an event that was witnessed by a handful of f- a few people to become, because of the resurrection, the most powerful story that's ever been told. It changed the cross from a tragedy to a triumph, right? It, it became the most powerful divine event in the history of creation. Michelangelo, the great, uh, the great painter. Has anyone seen any of Michelangelo's works? you been overseas. See that hand? Wow! Come on. He was travelling through Europe and he was visiting the great art galleries of of his day. And uh, the story goes he was deeply impressed by the overwhelming number of paintings that had been painted by his contemporaries uh, around the portraying the, the Christ on a cross. And it's. Recorded that he commented on these paintings, he says, This, why are art galleries filled with so many pictures of Christ upon the cross, of Christ dying? Why do artists concentrate upon that passing episode as if that were the last word in the final scene? Christ's dying on the cross lasted for just a few hours, but to the end of unending eternity, Jesus Christ is alive. It is alive. I get the fact that the cross is so powerful. Come on, let's not take our eyes off the cross. It's critical. But we must never forget that the cross today is actually empty. Yeah. Right? The tomb was rolled away. There wasn't a body inside because Jesus rose from the dead. He conquered death. He didn't stay there. Paul says it best. This is not on the screens. 1 Corinthians 15, 14 says, If Christ had not been raised, our preaching is in vain and our faith is completely empty. Like all of this is a complete waste of time. I'd rather be at the beach surfing. You could be doing something else if it wasn't for the fact that he rose. All of this would be a waste of our time. Our faith would be just pointless. Sometimes we become so focused on the news that Christ died for us that we almost forget that he was raised so that we might have life, that we might receive resurrection life in our lives, in our bodies, in our soul, in our spirit. The purpose of his coming, part one, was to make the, the atoning act of the cross a possibility by living a sinless life, a perfect life for us. The purpose of his death, part two, was to make that atoning work in actuality by giving his life in place of ours. And the purpose of the resurrection, part three, was to ensure that we got it all, that it was accrued into our account That we have access to the finished work of the cross, the the resurrected Christ, that he, his life can become in ours, that that we get it an abundant life, that we are forgiven, that we are loved, that we receive that right standing, justified, just as if we'd never done anything wrong. That we can receive life full of hope, filled with all of the power, the, the same power the scriptures say that raised Christ from the dead can reside in us because of the resurrection. Charles Spurgeon goes on to say, he's great, that guy. He says, beloved, the dying Christ. It's not working again. I'll just read it out. The, the, The dying Christ has purchased for us our justification, but the risen Christ will see that we get it. The risen Christ has come to bring it to us and herein we rest. Oh, that you would all rest in the finished work of Jesus on the cross, which is set forth to you in all its brightness by his rising again from the dead. High five somebody this morning. Jimmy, why don't you come up and play? You can high five me, buddy. Oh, all right. That actually hurt. Oh, mate, come come and play the guitar. That was what that was all about. (laughs) See, uh, his resurrection is my resurrection. His resurrection is mine. He was raised up so that I could be raised up. I love it that on days like today, in fact, every other day that has been since the resurrection, we get to declare life over things that appear dead, right? We get to stir things up that appear asleep or that appear to, to needing needing resuscitating. We get to declare life where there's lack. And maybe we could do some of that in just a moment, just declare life wherever there is lack going on in your life. The, let there be resurrection power over those things, over places, over people in your life, where, where there's resource that's needed and we just declare resurrection life over those things in Jesus' name. Life where dreams feel like they're stalled. have a dream in your heart that's just not going anywhere. I declare the resurrection life over those dreams, over, the, over every dream that God's put in your heart. Life with this pain and sickness. I'd love after the service, we pray for some people, you got pain in your body, you know someone who's sick. Come on, Jesus was raised from the dead so that we could release healing. Thanks for listening. For more information about Aspire Church, find and follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Or check out our website, aspirechurch.org.nz. We'd love to see you on Sundays, 10am, 101 Hardy Street.